1: a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Previously on Laduma High.
1: He had too many bullets. Cause they shot her, shot her, shot her. She fell down. They left. Came back and shot her again, and then left. Well,
3: we were losing at least one person every two weeks. Twenty fifteen was appalling. It was it was just a massacre. You know, people were dying and dying.
1: And like I've said, I don't know how, but I'm going to try my best to find out who killed me. I don't know how, but I'm always with that thing. Yeah. Because I want to know what happened.
2: Welcome to the second series of Alibi. The story we are telling this time is called La Duma High. I'm Paul McNally. This is episode two of a six part podcast series. We are telling the story of the brutal assassination of acting principal Priscilla Munu, and why over a year later the case is yet to be solved. In the last episode we met the son of our father-son team. He's called Sia Bekwa. Now I'm meeting Sia's father. Detective Warrant Officer Dumasani Bekwa, where he works at Presbury Police Station. As far as the case goes, this much is known. On the 18th of March 2017, a teacher called Priscilla was shot and killed in front of her class at Laduma High, with 19 bullets. I first came to know about the murder when I met with Reverend Giddy, of the KwaZulu-Natal Christian Council. I was looking at stories about assassinations in the province and I knew what was happening was devastating, but I could never have imagined anything like this. The characters I've met so far are Sia and his father, Dumasani, Tandy with the large face from the school governing body, Vanessa, the blonde activist, who we are going to spend more time with in this episode. Richard Piddast, the editor of New Frame, who we'll chat with again in a future episode. Peter Masakane, the now principal of Laduma High. And of course, don't forget the teacher who tracked me around the location in the last episode. The one CS suspects of being involved in the killing, who we are calling Miss Cabela. All these meetings have culminated in me visiting Detective Warrant Officer Damasani Bekwa, to get a better understanding of the investigation that he is conducting with his son. It is Friday afternoon. Me and a young girl who has one of her arms in a sling are the only people in the police station's parking lot. We are in the suburbs, away from Laduma High, on the other side of Pietermaritzburg, Mpumuza, where Ladumahai is and Sia lives, has goats and chickens walking the streets along with the people and the occasional car. By contrast, this is an affluent area with no pavements because the residents are exclusively driving from their homes instead of walking. I am looking into Priscilla's death in the hope of understanding the assassination crisis plaguing this part of South Africa. I'm digging into the woman she was, what she meant to the people she left behind, and how they are trying to make sense of their trauma. Dumasani is in a red and orange striped t shirt. He is on standby. This means he has to make sure all the dockets that come in while he's on shift are processed. Presbury isn't handling Priscilla's murder, but Dumasani has agreed to talk to me in the capacity of a concerned father. A lot of dockets, eh?
1: Yeah, get it, you can see.
2: I haven't got time to sit on my table and do some work. There are dockets piled up on every available surface.
1: In fact, my name is Begwa. So you're recording me?
2: Yes, is that OK? Why? I wanted to get st- your opinion on the story around what happened at Laduma. Oh, OK. No, no problem. Sia tells his father everything. They share the same cell phone. If you want to contact Sia, then you need to phone his father. I start by centering on the fulcrum of this case, by asking Domassani about the day of the killing.
1: I was sitting here when I received a call from my son to say, death, come quickly. And they shot the teacher at school.
2: He stopped everything and immediately drove to the school.
1: So when we got there, everyone came in, everyone was mourning and complaining. And most of the people, they knew that there was a problem there. Already know the people starting pointing fingers, really. Yes. So and so is behind. This, so and so is behind. That was Hm.
2: Mm.
1: But the school children, they seen these people.
2: He means they saw the assassins.
1: It's just even my son see these people. It's just that they couldn't, they don't want to get involved. They scared. The school children. Yes.
2: Yeah. Dumasani says that people began to speculate after the killing. However, there were also signs leading up to the murder that something was going to happen.
1: But before that, some some school children they said they saw that someone came and asked them if the teachers are coming today. Then they said yes. Then they left.
2: If you couldn't hear that, he said that the same car that carried the hitmen was spotted earlier at the school. By students. Men got out and asked if the teachers were going to be present later. Students told them, yes. Then we come to a plot twist that Dumasani tells me, and Tandy from the school governing body and sources within the police have both confirmed. There was a significant phone call made directly to Priscilla on her private cell phone minutes before the assassins arrived. The man on the end of the phone asked if Priscilla was at the school, if she was available to accept a delivery of sand. Priscilla said yes. Remember that phone call. It is going to be important in a later episode. The sand never arrived, but the assassins did, and Dumasani wants to show me exactly how they got into the school. He takes out a pen and paper and starts drawing.
1: Yeah, maybe just draw it. Yeah. This is the gate. Yeah. It's a main road here. Right? It's a gate. So you we'll go in, you we'll go like this. There's a the first block. School is like this. hmm. School is like this.
2: So just describe
1: that. Can you describe the drawing? Right. And then there's another building here. And there's another building here. Right. The principal office is here.
2: There would usually be a security guard here on site. Now, despite Priscilla staying to teach her matric class about the Cold War, he was told allegedly to go home. Several sources have said the guard claimed that it was Priscilla who ordered him to go, which seems unlikely. And unfortunately, Priscilla isn't around to confirm it. Dimasani keeps drawing his diagram of the shooting.
1: And these are the classrooms.
2: Yeah.
1: These are the classrooms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she was shot in this classroom. There's a, there's a main road running there behind.
2: Okay.
1: From this road, right. So according to the MD, so we vehicle enter the gate. Enter the gate here. And it drove like this into the, this area. This is a So these people went out from the vehicle, they walked this way. Came from behind like this, mm. into the door here. They saw these two people coming They enter here. They went straight, see what, there's a board here. This is how these two people are sitting here, facing this way. So they walk into the door, and they stayed and shot here.
2: Then all of a sudden Dumasani looks like, he wants to jump from his chair. He's agitated and upset. This is very frustrating. Which? What do you mean? Uh,
1: I mean, this thing, this case ah. is emotional.
2: It's very emotional. It's very emotional. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I must
1: remember, that was my teacher.
2: I know. She teach me two
1: years. Started she- nine. ages grade eleven and grade twelve.
2: And she taught you history. Yes. Here is a father and son. Both grew up in the same house and both were taught history by the same woman.
1: So maybe she was still going to teach my grandson. Yeah. My grandchild, I should say. If they didn't think, yeah, They actually took something away from our community, Pomoza community. They took something away from our Pomoza community. Because I think if she could even become a principal of the school, the school was going to be perfect. No mm. No Nothing is, you know what I mean. You name it. Mm. I know there's people, they say there's nobody's perfect, but the auntie, she's, I would say she was perfect. She was
2: a good auntie. Yeah. And did she leave behind children of her own and her husband? And She didn't have a husband. She had children. She didn't have a husband. She was
1: never married.
4: She was never married.
1: And the, you know what, and I'm living there and the people, they keep asking me, you really can't solve this case. They think I'm involved by not this beyond my control. Mm. People always come, you really can't solve this. The police can't solve this.
2: Like you also involved. But Yeah, so they see you as a police officer and yeah, they think you, that you yeah, are you, you should, should be. Able, know everything. Yeah. This is the question Dumasani is often asked. Why can't the police solve this case? It's something that I have asked myself dozens of times. It frustrates me. So, I imagine it must be unbearable for Dumasani to feel like he is being blamed for the stagnation. But then he adds something else, perhaps suggesting why it hasn't been solved.
1: We fetch there's a, a power hunger there. Mm. People, they wanted to
2: power. They want power.
1: They want to be in power. They wanted post. They want to be high post. Everyone gets good.
2: The talk of the post, as Dumasani calls it, at the school crops up again and again. The fact that Priscilla was killed so that someone else could take her job as acting principal. They were after the post. That was the prize. And those people, they want to be. Injured.
1: Yeah. Power hungry. Yeah. Those power hungry people move them. You think we should move them. Yes.
2: Sia's father brings home packs of photos, mugshots, to check if Sia can identify the shooter, as he calls it. Sia was a prime witness, after all, and says that he'd be able to spot the killers with no problem. When he says this, I'm reminded that this story is a community of rumors, hearsay, and people that are hard to trust. Here's me talking to Sia.
1: So what, were, what was on those pictures? It was the pictures of the of the shooters, the main people, like the men, really? people, really.
2: Okay, so then he brought them
1: home. He brought here at the docket. We are sitting here, mm-hmm. sat here, and then opened the docket, took out the pictures and put them here. We mm-hmm. the said, I must check if I can see the people who killed man. So I checked, I checked, I checked, I didn't see them. I saw them, no, nah, they are not. Here. He said, I must call another person who was there to come and see.
2: How many pictures did he put out? Maybe it was eight different people on this table. On this table. And okay, so then you looked at each one. Yeah. And then how how well did you get a look at the killers when it happened? I
1: can even identify them if I pass I pass by them like this. I mm. know them. Like I said, I can't get them out of my mind. When I saw them, minutes I I won't rest until I know who killed my who kill my teacher. If he doesn't help me, I'll do it myself. If they kill me, they kill me.
2: Mm, what does he say to that?
1: It then, it, that's where he started to get involved. He said, okay, fine. Let's see who killed me. I said, let's see who killed me. Started working on the case that day. Because that's what I told him. Then I I've been playing a detective role to find out who killed my, my teacher. Because I found it strange. I mean, I, I tell my father everything about uh, father. I know this and this and this and this and this and this. Some things I can't tell you, because I can get into trouble. I'm scared. I tell him everything, my
4: father.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and
4: Of course, witness
2: accounts can be notoriously unreliable. But the key fact to remember here is that even though Sia made a sketch of the hitmen for the police, the teacher who followed me around in her vanza in the last episode, Miss Gabella, remember that? Demanded to always be present when the kids were talking to the police.
1: But see, the only problem that I thought the police we were in the office. I stood out and say, Okay, I'm done, I'm leaving now. Yeah. Then the police said I was rude. I said, I'm not being rude. Because the only thing that's bothering me here, why is she here? Every, every time we were caught, she was dead. We said as the students, we don't need any teacher here.
2: I reached out for confirmation of this from Mr. Mahaba, who was in charge of Laduma at this time. He said that he wasn't aware of Miss Gabella forcing herself to be present while the kids spoke to the cops. But he said, if it was true... It was, in his words, too much. You know, you never gave the beast accurate evidence of the assassin. We did. You did? We did. We went to the police station without her. Oh, without her. Yeah,
1: after we told the police dead, they said, OK. They came with a the car, they took us from school, and then we went straight to the police station to do the, to do the investigation. With, and uh, I made a, uh, we made a sketch of the suspect, what he looked like. Like a sketch? Yeah, like a sketch. We did that. everything, then.
2: And how did it feel when you actually went to the police station like that and, like, made, you know, and kind of gave gave that evidence to them? How did that feel?
1: It was a relief at first because we were like, okay, fine, they're going to catch them. We're happy that they're going to catch them. And then as the time went by, nothing happened. No feedback, nothing happened.
2: It's this inertia in the case that means Dumasani keeps getting questioned about why he isn't doing anything. People don't realize that Sia's dad is working of his own accord on the slide. And unfortunately, he hasn't brought a photo home yet for Sia that matches the identity of the shooter. So it sounds like your dad is still working on the case. He said he's, he's brought this month he brought this you month, these photos.
1: He brought these photos this month. The people who will kill it are people who are still here in one position. There's a lot of things, a lot of things. My teacher was about to expose what was happening in the school. Okay. There are a lot of things they were about to expose.
2: You'll remember activist and writer Vanessa Berger from the last episode. She's the expert on hitmen. I ask her, how can I better understand the economy of violence and particularly hitmen in KwaZulu-Natal? And she says to come with her on a visit to Gleeblend's. This is the hostel known as Where the Hitmen Live that we talked about in the last episode. I tell her, sure, but I'm actually terrified to do this. I sit in my rental car and try to psych myself up, talking sheepishly into my recorder. (sighs) The truth of the matter is that uh, when I said I was going to do the story, my girlfriend made one criteria and she was like, don't go to Glebelands. And uh, I shrugged it off and laughed it off and uh, now I'm in the car about to go there (laughs) and uh, it's scary the guy who I'm meant to meet was so afraid to be meeting me not knowing who I am that he needed to do all these checks with who had um introduced me, given me his details. He's so paranoid. He lives there. But you gotta do it, you know. The key is not to crash the car when you're nervous. Vanessa doesn't have a car. It was stolen. So I'm heading to pick her up.
3: You know, my car was very well known. Mm. It was also very old. It was an old Isuzu um, 4x4. And then it was stolen. And it had about a litre of fuel in it when it was stolen. So it wouldn't even have got round the block. (laughs) And um, it was very obviously towed, say on the right-hand side. So um, I was told that it was an it, the it was sort of like an inside job done with the police. And as I say, it had gear locks and immobilisers and, and alarm systems and everything. You think people have just seen your car. Home, homemade ones, which which people weren't aware of. Mm. So it was obviously it was towed, and um, say so the timing was terrible wasn't insured (laughs) Uh. so yeah i was a a disaster and they said yeah they knew they knew your car Mm. and and they'd followed i was told that that i had been followed so because i only just left cleveland's and had gone to the friend's place
2: the conversation starts jovially and then gets sterner and sterner as we move closer to Cleveland's. i'm beginning to get tense
3: 2015 it was it was terrible we were uh, literally losing two or three people every month being killed um, it was so dangerous to go in and out some of the reporters the the bosses stopped them from using company cars to Mm. go in and out they weren't allowed to go in Um, some of the guys were staying with me because they couldn't get in and out safely enough to carry on working so some of the reporters. Came, no, the guys from the hostel. Wow. So they were living at my place for a while. So I was helping them get in and out of of Cleveland's. Um, so I used to go in there sometimes at night and stuff, and it was hair raising. Jeez.
2: So have you had points where, like that, where you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm no. not going back to this place. No, no, never. why oh i enjoy i enjoy the work um you know uh, i mean i don't say i mean i understand but i'm just trying yeah. to i mean i i struggle to articulate that kind of thing and i yeah. i just wondered if you had an answer almost like it's, Look, a, it's some more of an I, than I can't
3: a, take the, the killing anymore especially when you lose straight, just stay straight, straight again people. especially when you lose people that you've known very well and you've come to respect and like very much and even you know consider as a friend yeah um i've never been so angry in my life as when Seaborn de villa was killed and i got there and he was on the floor
2: and your article about it was very emotional
3: oh it was awful um him that was bad, Pina's murder was terrible, Frank's murder was awful, you know, and you, but you, I mean you can't just leave it, you've got to do, if is there's is something you can do, then I think you should do it, you know, mm. whatever you can do. You know, it's not something I set out to get involved in at all, mm. it just sort of happened by default. at the next roadblock.
2: Gleeblands is elevated, so you can see it from the highway. The hostel isn't one skyscraper, as I imagined, but rather separated into several dozen blocks. Each block is assigned a letter, and each letter signifies a particular faction. We snake towards it, and the blocks get bigger, until we are at the foot of the hill, staring up at Gleebland's and facing a security roadblock.
3: Oh, we've got a roadblock. What they want to do is to bring in a disc system where people have to stop and then... Which way is it? Yeah, go right. around. And then um, produce a disc. Now, can you imagine that working here? Mm. And for starters, um, it will be incredibly dangerous for people to stop there. has been a lot of people shot. That, uh, at least, stay in the sun. At least six people that I know of have been shot or... Are killed at that entrance alone. The other entrance also is the same. Very, very dangerous.
2: Going into Cleveland is like entering a small village. Skinny roads, people walking and hanging out, washing, and on our left and right, block after block where people live.
3: And the That's community hall on the left and the councillor's office that was been. Burn- in, burned down in 2013 during protests and that's what led to the ward council being awarded the most expensive private security detail in South Africa for someone of his status and then you turn right
2: here right at the goat
3: yeah right at the goat <laughs> please don't go too slowly through here because they'll have been drinking now and it's not going to be very safe okay um this is block 57 also with its own private security detail block 52 on the right now you can see these are the very very old blocks uh, it's a crime that the municipality and the government haven't upgraded I mean this is easier. like look, they look condemned basically. It's worse it's really horrific um, I mean you can see there's no windows in half of these places and also I mean it's not surprising that it's easy to recruit People to kill other people when they're living in such
2: degraded conditions. Jeez, I mean, that know, looks like it's, a fire has been burnt out there. And
3: it's, that's actually mold. It's uh, from where there's leaks. There's the water runs pours down through these blocks when it rains. It's unbelievably unhygienic for kids living here. It's, people should not be made to live in these conditions. Um, the blocks on the old on the left hand side, you can see very much older very dilapidated um lots of broken windows no maintenance and um, these date back to pre-apartheid times i mean there's no and you can see look block 57 look at the roof was block 57 it's still not being fixed from the storm
2: th- th- this one in the distance here yeah. yeah
3: from the storm in october last year and for god's sake don't run over the goat <laughs> or else you get shot <laughs> <laughs>
0: No funny here. I'll leave you. I'll just abandon you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or.
2: We turn another left and then go down a steep incline towards one of the blocks. I park right in front on a patch of grass. A group of men are sitting in a circle, under a carport, waiting for us. Nice to meet you. Okay. Hi, I'm Paul. Hello. I agree to protect the identities of everyone I meet at Gleeblend's, so I'm not going to use names. They still fear exposure and being shot, but they are eager to talk and want to make it clear that this isn't a war.
5: There is a one question that I, I want to ask from you. Is it dark here? As no. it's in the daylight today, is it dark? No. It's not dark. Yeah. No, it's not dark.
2: No, we're in the daylight today. Yeah,
5: it's not dark. It's not dark. No. Not dark. no. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you will never pass through this area when it's night. You see, take the take uh, take the statement. Uh, of the one who was speaking on behalf of the SAPS on the Morana Commission.
2: The Morana Commission was an official inquiry into the excessive number of assassinations in KZN, which focused quite heavily on Glebelands.
5: He says, uh, the problem at Glebelands is dark even in the daylight. But it's not dark. It's not dark. He was, it's not dark now, huh? Eh? <laughs> How can you and he say that the people are dying there because they are fighting for the party of the beer, a minor conflict that caused them to be killed each
2: other. Vanessa believes these men have been targeted and systematically killed because they signed a petition against the local ward councillor, Robert Umzombi. So people are just—it's just chaos, and people are killing each other over a beer. Yes, which means people
5: are up, no man. Which means they are, are not the people who have their stable mind. You see, are uh, the people who can fight with a, just a, a bulky of beer. So all these uh, people who are get killed just because they were just minor conflict. You see.
2: The residents here are upset about this stereotype of Gleeblen's being violent chaos when they believe they are being systematically targeted by assassins. Those in danger never know who will be next, and their methods of protecting themselves are a little DIY. They don't walk past certain blocks during the day or night and only approach the complex from certain sides. It doesn't really work. They can't escape the fact that they are in more danger where they live than outside of Glebelands altogether. When an acting principal like Priscilla is assassinated, then the public sympathy feels easy to come by. But when a man out here in Glebelands gets taken out, there is an assumption that he provoked his death with violence of his own somehow. I get showed the bullet holes that are still in the side of the carport from where people have been gunned down, exactly where we are sitting. And then I get asked if I want to go into one of the blocks to see the living conditions. Look, look. We're here in like a kitchen area, but then how many people okay. stay here? Four people here. Four people in that room? Yeah, supposed to be four people, four people, two, two. Wow, and how big... Four, how... four. Hello? There are reports of residents needing to mop the blood out of these tiny rooms after an assassination. They are claustrophobic, especially those with four to a room. There is minimal light, but also people have imbued them with small comforts. They have put up posters on the wall and rugs on the floor.
1: all these people are here the area of cooking, that's why they was to squeeze themselves. In the hello, show. hello. This is the, 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 the bathroom.
2: OK. Hello. hello. How are you? Hello. Good to see you. My name's Paul. So he's just showing me around. Okay. How long have you stayed here for?
1: Yes, I'm still here.
2: How, for how long? Two years.
1: You see, it's the same.
2: Over 100 people have been assassinated at Gleeblend's. And the people here must live with this accumulated distress. Just like in Unformosa, Sia and the community must live with the trauma of Priscilla's death. I'm starting to feel ashamed of being so scared about coming here. Terrified to visit for just a couple of hours a place that people have to call their home. The shame keeps growing and growing until we get in the car... And Vanessa says,
3: Um, Just a word of advice. Keep your eye on the rearview mirror.
2: Okay. What am I looking for? Uh,
3: Anybody following you. Okay.
2: My shame has burst. It is okay, I tell myself, to be scared. And if anything, I need to guard against this whole situation being considered normal. I drop Vanessa off at her home and drive back. To Peter Maritzburg. At the time of me visiting Glebelands, eight people had been arrested in connection with the assassinations, including a former police officer, Durban Central SAPS detective Mdueshu. All eight were awaiting trial. In November 2018, the band of eight were facing twenty-two counts of murder, attempted murder, racketeering, extortion, and possession of a prohibited firearm and ammunition. By the time the case went to trial on August the 25th, 2019, they were known as the Gleeblands Eight and were accused of killing nine residents at Gleeblands and conspiring to form an association that controlled money that had been collected at the hostel. On the first day of the trial, the court heard that the police officer who was on trial was allegedly assigned to organise automatic weapons that were used to assassinate rival residents. <laughs> the case has been postponed, unfortunately, until March 2020. It is good that there have been arrests, but having a police officer at the centre of so much violence doesn't encourage me to seeing Priscilla's case move forward, especially within the police. Here is me talking to see Sia's father, again. So say what one of the teachers or any someone ordered the so head. You cannot say it's only one person. Oh, okay.
1: It's not one person. The old people there's there's three four people they knew what was gonna happen. Four people. Okay. Why
2: why do you say that? Why so can't out it of you, twenty teachers? But why can't it be one teacher? Because he can't make alone.
1: He has to get information.
2: Mm.
1: And if you, remember, you remember, everyone they are friends. They, they were divided. They were divided on like this. There's eight, a group and B group. Okay. So the vice principal, the Kuno, was in the P group. So the a group people they knew that was she was gonna kill. Definitely.
2: He's saying that the staff was split into two groups, one for Priscilla and one against. The one against knew, as a collective, that she was going to be killed
1: get information if there was no link between them, like one another. even on the day, after the killing, before the killing.
2: Do you think if you'd been involved in this, then you would have solved it? Do you think the person would have gone to jail? I don't know
1: how to throw myself out.
2: But I mean, it sounds like you would have.
1: No, I got information. I got the ideas what I would have done. Mm. But I can't go and tell the
2: people from others to interfere. You said you tried to offer help, though. Yes, I did. How, how, how does that... When you try and offer help to an... I
1: phone the investigating officer, told you I put information. Can mm. you tell you. speak to me? He didn't come. Really? So I can give them. But he didn't come to get information from
2: me. So Dumasani had information about the case, and he told the investigating officer at the time, but they never bothered to come and take a statement from him. That was the first guy working on the case. We are now on the third investigating officer. I have been trying to contact all three of them. I want to know why they didn't use Dumasani's help. I want to know why the case has been moved from one person to the next. And I want to know why the case seems to be dormant. I get nothing. And then when I call Colonel Satorli, the second investigating officer, on one Tuesday morning randomly, he answers.
1: Hello, yeah. Well-
2: Hello, sir. This is Paul McNally. How are you? Right, and you? Good, thanks. More from Colonel Sitorli and how the cops are dealing with this case in the next episode. You've been listening to episode two of Alibi's second series, Laduma High. This is the second of six episodes looking into the brutal assassination of a high school teacher. This podcast has been written, edited and produced by me, Paul McNally. Thanks to Gavin Haynes, Kyla Hermanson, Jeff kelly Lowenstein, Tom McNally and Stelz Desoy for their editorial oversight. This episode was mixed by Gwinch Sarameh. Music for the series was composed by John Bartman. Finally, we want to thank our publishing partner, Arena Holdings, publishers of The Sunday Times, timeslive.co.za, Business Day, Financial Mail, and The Sowetan. And their head of multimedia, Scott Peter Smith, for supporting the project and pulling all the pieces together on their platforms. On the next episode of Laduma High. Did you yes. ever think that maybe one of the teachers who who works at the school had ordered the killing in order to get her job?
1: And to be honestly with you, Bru, I won't tell you lies. That case is a straightforward case. Mm. I believe that ninety uh, percent uh, of the school teachers are aware of this killing. They know exactly what was going to happen. They know everything. It's just that now. uh, It's a pity we do not have an evidence.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,
4: all operatives from now to march 30th mgm national harbor invokes your skills to play covert cash a spy themed kiosk game series where classified missions hidden rewards and daily thrills await sign up for mgm rewards to play and unlock up to twenty-five thousand dollars in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on march 30th visit mgmnationalharborcom national covert cash to begin your mission must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER